the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Johnny Nickel with you. And Johnny, our J1 season previews are rolling on very nicely, if I do say so myself. Yeah, yeah, it's been hard work, but but lots of fun. And yeah, this I think to 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 be, we've got another very very heavy hitter to to lead us off. So I'm looking forward to getting talking about them and also the the other two teams from from north north of Tokyo. We're going to be talking about today. Um, what about yourself, Ben? How how are you doing? Yes, I'm ready to rock. Uh, to be or not to be, we will see about uh, Urawa Reds in 2024 with our special guest, Ralph Seidel. Uh, Ralph, welcome back to the pod. How are you? Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm, I'm fine. And Good I'm stuff. I'm looking forward to discuss uh, Urawa with you today. Yeah, fantastic. Happy new season, Ralph. Uh, let's uh, just quickly look at uh, what happened in 2023 for Urawa. Very much a uh, mixed bag. They finished fourth in the league, which was a leap of five places from their 2022 finish. Uh, they lost their first two games, but then only one of their next 18. Uh, and uh, yeah, they spent the entire second half of the season uh, in the top four and uh, edged up to third towards the end of the season before ending up fourth in the table just pipped by Hiroshima at the death. Their 42 league goals was uh, middle of the pack. Uh, Jose Conte was the leading scorer in the league with his uh, eight goals and Alex Schultz got seven. Of course, six of those from the penalty spot. He went to six from seven uh, from 12 yards in 2023. But of course, Urawa had the best defense in the league, conceding only 27 goals and uh, keeping 15 clean sheets. They lost the Levain Cup final to Fukuoka, but of course, famously won the 2022 edition of the ACL, a 2-1 over two legs versus Al-Hilal of Saudi Arabia. Urawa's third ACL triumph and that of course earned them a ticket to the Club World Cup in December where they lost in the semi-finals to Manchester City and ended up fourth uh, in the tournament losing the third place playoff so the high of the ACL win early doors Ralph and um, I mean a strong finish in the league as we said five places higher than last season but I don't know as you look back on the year as a whole um, obviously some huge highs and some yeah frustrating lows the the league campaign though um, was it a case of a missed opportunity do you think in 2023? Um, probably to some extent yeah I, I think um, if you look at the the past several years and I think in the last six years or so we won the the um, the Emperor's Cup twice, the ACL twice, but in the league, I think this was actually our best finish since um, basically winning the league in 2016 without winning the title uh, because of the uh, two-stage uh, setup there. So in that sense, um, I think it was still a pretty good finish in the league, but um, in the end, still also quite disappointing, of course. We we hoped to, to actually still play for the title, and um, while we had far too many draws early on. Somehow the other teams around us were not really that convincing either, so that we actually had for a long time still a shot at the title. And uh, of course, we're hoping to stay in that race, which um, ultimately, uh, of course, failed. 
I know that the season before there was a bit of surprise amongst the, the Red supporters about Ricardo Rodriguez leaving. And then obviously uh, Scorja came in and initially did very well winning, winning the ACL. How surprised were you with, with the news that he, he was going to leave at the end of the season? How did you react to that? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm generally um, a person who, who prefers a little bit more stability with the coaches and, and not every year a new coach coming in. So um, from, from that point of view, I, I was a little bit disappointed that uh, he decided to leave. Um, there were some voices who, especially with the last couple of months of, of, um, of the season not going so well, um, were kind of critical about him at that time. But I think overall people were disappointed that he was leaving. Have you heard any really um, you know, convincing reason about why he decided to to leave so early, Ralph, because, I mean, yeah, uh, as we said, a, a leap up the table in the league. And um, while, I mean, he inherited Rodriguez's team, I mean, yeah, to take them all the way to the ACL Championship was a, was a huge performance. So, um, yeah, I, I take your point and uh, I can completely understand why you would uh, you would prefer a manager to stick around. Um, so, yeah, was there a, a, a really uh, convincing reason given? Um, no, not that I know of. Um... So I didn't really hear anything. Uh, apparently, um, in the past, he also actually stepped down from from other coaching positions. So maybe that's um, what he what he does um, to I don't know. Uh, yeah, thinking of Klopp or so, um, maybe running out of steam or so. I don't know. Um, also, there's of course the ongoing rumor that he he might actually end up being the um, the the coach of the Polish national team. Um, anytime soon so uh -huh, right. who knows if, if that kind of plays into it somehow yeah yeah okay then so um johnny we mentioned uh, last week when we previewed hiroshima uh, very little um turnover both in and out of the club in terms of big names for a likely title contender in 2024 certainly not the same uh, situation at urawa so if you could run us through the the, the major transfers out that you've uh, that you've picked out and then we can get ralph's thoughts on i guess whichever uh, whichever of those he cares to uh, to mourn their departures um well i'll, I'll finish with the, the biggest one because i think that's the one that ralph will want to talk about most but i think you know we mentioned you mentioned there that Urawa had, had by far and away the, the best defence in, in J1 last season. And but basically, you know, the, the centre-backs, the right-back, the goalkeeper, they're all still there. But left-back, there's been a bit of movement with um, both Akimoto and, and Ogiwara moving moving to Europe. Um, so I think if one of them had gone, not really an issue. The fact both of them have gone. And then I think Ohata is still there, but he might be playing in the, the, the AFC Under-23 competition and potentially the Paris Olympics. So um, yeah, one of the one of the new signings from from your old club or from your, your club, Ben, m might actually make a surprise appearance in there. But we'll get on to that later. So they've gone and yeah, Iwanami has gone back to, to Kobe. Obviously, he wasn't happy with being a being a backup. So I don't think you can really hold that against him. And then I think you've got other players like Shibato had never really kicked on. Hirano was a good idea at the time, but just got crowded out in midfield, I think. Alex Schalk, yeah, I think he was another player. I think he was brought in under the Rodriguez era, and I don't think Scorsia ever rated him, and he's gone. But I think that the big one for me, obviously, is that you know, Jose Cante not just leaving, but also retiring. I think, you know, I'm a Gamba supporter, as everyone knows, but I think Cante was actually one of the players I enjoyed watching the most 
um, in the G League. I, I really like he scored goals, um, and he also his movement, his play. He was a very clever player, and whenever he scored the goal, it was always it was always a peach. It was always a good one to watch from the edge of the box. Always a good finish from him, and I, I thought he was a really good uh, good addition to, to to Urawa, and also a good addition to to J1. I thought thought he was a really fantastic player. So very surprised to see him leave it and also to retire. So maybe Ralph, you, your thoughts on Kante and also any of those other departures you want to kind of weigh in on. Yeah, so so Kante is of course a, a big loss, and, and and many people were very disappointed uh, that he decided uh, to retire. Um, I think he's he's actually moving out of uh, football and takes over his uh, his father's uh, business in in Spain apparently. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, that's that's why he seems to be leaving. But it's 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 really a pity since, as you mentioned, he was really. Uh, quite impressive, um, creating uh, goals essentially out of nothing, um, um, always not very far into the box. Um, somehow he still managed to, to create these goals and uh, that was quite uh, impressive to watch. So yeah, he's a he's a big loss for sure. Um, as you mentioned also, I think the, the left back position, uh, that's of course also um, very disappointing, although I'm of course very happy for, for Akimoto and Ogiwara to, to go to Europe. And um, as it seems, uh, getting off to a good start there right away. Um, Akimoto seems to be already enjoying the, the local fans in, in Belgium. And um, also Ogiara actually played um, the full 90 minutes um, for the game, first game he, he got there. So um, that, of course, really means that um, two left backs who, who I think should be in or about the, the national team actually mm-hmm. um, left us. And, um, yeah, as you mentioned also, then only um, Ohata is, 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 is remaining, um, which uh, might be um, not enough depth, actually, in, in that position, especially as you also mentioned that he might actually be away for th- with the Olympics um, for quite a while. So, yeah, that's, that, that left-back position is, is a little bit of a concern, uh, I think. Yes, and uh, Ralph, this will be the last time I'll have to ask you about uh, Kasper Junker. Are you uh, re- are you relieved that the uh, the Casper Junker saga is uh, finally over in terms of uh, his uh, his ownership uh, by uh, by Reds, and that his uh, his move to Nagoya was made was made permanent in, in this off season? Well, I, I kind of expected that this would happen. Although um, personally, I, I would have preferred if we went to a different league uh, outside of Japan, naturally, <laughs> not to to uh, one of our rivals. But um, yeah, I think it it kind of makes sense. Um, he fits probably better in in this kind of um, counter-based um, system of uh, Hasegawa. So so in that sense, I think I can understand uh, why he moved over there. Yep. Okay. And uh, a couple of others that I I noted down, so I'll I'll give them a mention on their way out the door. Uh, David Moberg is also gone, and um, Inukai I thought was a loan to Kashiwa, and it's been turned into a full transfer um, in this off season. But maybe it was a, a full transfer to begin with, and I uh, I made a mistake there. But no, no, uh, he, he was loaned initially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. So that's been made permanent. And um, yeah, Yuta Miyamoto, I noted down as well, has also moved uh, to another J1 club. But um, yeah, the uh, so uh, a large number of players have departed, but uh, Reds have restocked 
for definite. And uh, one of the questions we had from uh, Kevin is about uh, Tiago Santana, the uh, Shimizu Espol striker who has uh, joined Urawa in this offseason. Kevin wonders, is Tiago Santana seen as the replacement for Jose Kante? And overall, Ralph, um, the, uh, do you think the new foreigners will be uh, a big upgrade on, uh, on last year's class? So I think let me start with the new foreigners in general. Um, so both Gustafsson and um, Solbakken, I think, um, are players who were explicitly brought in uh, by Hökmor. So I, I th- our new coach, new coach. So I think um, those players he played, uh, they played under him already. So they know his system. Um, they are probably quite familiar with that. Um, also, with the majority of our foreigners being Scandinavians, um, that um, there shouldn't be any language uh, difficulties either. So I think that probably makes a lot of sense uh, to have those in. And um, of course, on paper, they're excellent players. Um, of course, I, I don't really know too much about them yet. Um, they all joined the, the camp slightly belated, but um, um, seem to be integrating quite quite well in, in there and um, seem to be also contributing in, in the test matches that already happened. Um, similarly, um, I think Santana was a little bit of a surprise to me, given that we have mostly Scandinavian foreigners now. Um, so I, I first was wondering a little bit about um, he being the, the only Brazilian in our team, um, if that works out. But also there, the reports that we heard from from the camp, he seems to be getting along very well with the Japanese players as well as with the foreign players and um, seems to be integrating really nicely into the team as well. I'm not exactly sure if he's a 100% replacement of, of Kante. He seems to be more of, of the kind of typical um, striker uh, or in that position. Um, and I think he, he will probably score a lot of goals there, especially since you already proved that um, getting the, the golden boot two years ago with the team, which was actually rele- relegated at the time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Ama- amazing stat, wasn't it, Johnny? Yeah, uh, the golden boot winner from a relegated team. I don't know if that would have happened in uh, too many other leagues around the world uh, in the past. But, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what he can bring to, uh, to Saitama Stadium. Yeah, I think that that's definitely the interesting one for me. We, we mentioned, we talked about Kante leaving. I think Kante is probably a better all-round forward than Santana. But Santana, like Ralph said, is, is a goal scorer. And you know, with the, the new coach, um, kind of, I think he's going to change the system, tweak it slightly, so it's going to be a 4-3-3 rather than the kind of 4-2-3-1 last year. They might have it set up so all the chances are kind of funneling into to Santana in the central area. And yeah, I think realistically for, for someone with his track record, uh, albeit he wasn't quite as good last season in J2 as you'd think he would be. He's been very good in J1 before. You would realistically be expecting kind of 15, 15 plus goals from him this season. And also what, what I do like, it's not just him that's come in, but they've got kind of, there's more options in attack now in, in all the positions. Uh, too many times last season, like Urawa were, were stifled, held to, to, to no goals or, or one goal. And after Plan A didn't work, there wasn't really Plan B or Plan C. But I think if Plan A and Santana doesn't work, you've got other players like you know, Yusuke Matsu is more of a winger, but he's played centre forward before. Maeda, you've got Kuroki, you've got Linsen, Takahashi. There's so many choices, so many tweaks they can make. 
to um, to, to change things up front. So I think Santana, I, I can see it working. Um, I can see him scoring a, a few goals. And obviously, if he does score kind of 15 or 20 goals, Urawa will be, be very much strong title contenders. Uh, like Ralph, I only know the, the, the names of the, the new players like Saul Bakken and, and Gustafsson. And it, it seems good. They've both got Serie A experience. They're both international players. Gustafsson was the was the captain for, for the, the coach at his previous club in, in Sweden. And yeah, so back and seems he can play left wing or can play right wing. And Gustafsson, I think he might edge Kenny Wiles had a very good kind of autumn of his career, but I think Gustafsson might kind of push him out of place. But yeah, that kind of front six of Urawa, so many options. It must be really, really exciting for, for the fans to see. It is, I mean, Ralph, is there any case, is there too many options or are the fans just delighted that after last season there wasn't so many goals, they'd have all this attacking talent that's now at Saitama Stadium? I think the the, the concentration this year is, is really on, on, on getting more goals and um, the, the system changing to 4-3-3, which um, Hugmo seems to be playing uh, quite frequently, um, certainly should uh, suit that uh, very well. And yeah, we have a lot of options this year around um, in, in the the more offensive uh, positions. So I, th- I think um, there are quite a lot of options. Um, there's, I think some journalists actually wondered if, if it might be actually too many uh, players to keep them all happy, um, which uh, could be a concern. But over the season, I think um, the, the, most of them will, will get their chances and, and get plenty of uh, playing time in, indeed. Um, about Gustafsson, um, yeah, I think as, as I mentioned, he was explicitly brought in, and I think he is going to be this uh, single uh, pivot number six role um, under under Hökmo, and uh, then probably Ivao, um, Yasui, and uh, Takeda maybe behind him as, as um, um, other options. All right then. So yeah, we've mentioned some of the uh, the foreign transfers in, and they do seem very intriguing indeed. Um, the 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 two centre backs that have come in to provide depth behind um, Schultz and Paul Bratton uh, that we mentioned on last week's previews. Ricky To Inoue's come in from Kyoto, and Yota Sato from Gumba. Well, yes, this array of attacking talent is um, well, it's mouthwatering, isn't it? And some of the names that have come in in the off-season should provide a terrific entertainment value for Reds supporters. Um, I was disappointed to, to see Ryoma Watanabe leave FC Tokyo, but um, again, some of the players that have Tokyo brought in, um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think we'll mourn his departure too much, but wish him all the best uh, with Reds. Uh, Naoki Maida from Nagoya, and uh, yes, the uh, the prodigal son, the Yusuke Matsuo, is back after his uh, loan ended with uh, Westerlo in Belgium, while Hiroki Abe and Shoya Nakajima, of course, were, were, uh, were with Reds at the tail end of last season, but Abe didn't play at all in the league, and uh, Nakajima uh, was um, yeah limited, I think, to almost entirely appearances off the bench. So if uh, if both of those can get up to speed as well, that then uh, yeah they'll be uh, certainly adding uh, their uh, creative uh, efforts to the uh, to the mixture up there. And uh, Kevin wondered about Hiroki Abe. Uh, Ralph, uh, are you expecting much from him this year? I mean, Kevin explicitly asked, will he play this year? Um, so he, it, it looks like he, he did the, the whole um, camp, actually, and um, also was playing in, in some of the, the um, test matches and even scored a goal in one of them. So um, he seems to be doing OK this season. 
So I think that he might actually be helping us uh, us out in in the end, really. And um, yeah, um, Nakajima was was already fit before, but um, seems to be also doing well. I, I think I should mention that in in the, the camp, the test matches, I think almost all of our more offensive staff. Um, essentially scored at least a goal or two um, already in in these matches, so so things are looking quite quite nicely there. And yeah, many many other Japanese players uh, joined us. Um, you mentioned, of course, the the defenders. I think I want to also mention Ishi, Ishihara from mm. um, um, Shonan, mm-hmm. um, who mostly is is going to be actually the backup for for Sakai, I guess. Uh, but he seems to be actually challenging him uh, somewhat, and um, if not, he can also actually help out on the left-hand side um, if needed. So I think he will be also very valuable. Yep. All right then. So the uh, the manager Ralph um, at this time last year, you were teaching Sam and I how to pronounce Mache Scorger. So you, you, you've mentioned the uh, the new manager's name a couple of times already, but uh, just for uh, uh, just for my for my benefit, can you uh, can you fill us in on his name again in the correct way to pronounce it? Well, I, I hope that it's correct. I'm not entirely sure, but um, so it's it's Per Matthias Hugmo, I believe. Okay, so uh, Mr. Hugmo uh, is a 64 year old Norwegian who has um, had a, a, a hugely uh, interesting career in in football management, more than 30 years uh, in which he's uh, managed some of the biggest clubs in Norway and Sweden and also had time in charge of both the men's and women's uh, Norwegian national teams. And uh, included in that is leading uh, the, the Norwegian women to the gold medal in the uh, Sydney Olympics in the year 2000. So uh, vastly experienced manager, um, Ralph. And um, yeah, after uh, uh, sadly... Uh, bidding farewell to Mr. Scorge at the end of last season. Uh, yeah, what are your expectations for how things will go under Mr. Hergmo? Um, so far, I think everything looks looks quite positive um, from from what we hear from the camp. Uh, he also brought actually two of his um, um, assistants with him, um, Morten Calvinis from from Glint and um, also Mario Chavez, um, also from Hecken. So um, they actually uh, joined his team and uh, I think were, were closely working with him uh, beforehand as well. Um, so things are looking good. As I mentioned, there's uh, more concentration on um, uh, on the attack this time around. And um, it looks from the test matches that we actually do st- score significantly more goals than, than in the past. So I think from, from that point, uh, everything seems to be going in the right direction and um, the atmosphere in the camp seemed to be pretty good. Um, on top of that, of course, we, we still have our centre-back pairing now actually with uh, Gustafsson before that, um, which should probably keep the defence uh, tight enough, I think. So, um, yeah, I think it, it's looking actually pretty nice so far. I noticed a, a comment uh, that the coach made when when he joined Urawa. He he said he was very impressed that Urawa had done their, their homework. They they knew all about his career, how, how he liked to play, uh, and they'd obviously done a lot of, of lot of research into him. So he was very impressed by that, and that's why he he took the step to to join Urawa. And I was also a bit surprised when I was coming back from Scotland over uh, in in the new year. I was reading through my my world soccer, and his name came up. He'd been a bit of a trailblazer back in the day where. He coached Norway's women and, and men, and he got one of the, the female players to come to the men's training and show them all how to take free kicks, which 
was a bit sacrilegious back in the late 90s, I think. But uh, he's, he's been in the game for a long time. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this year in J1, I think of the 20 teams, only three teams changed their coach in the off-season. And all three teams were in the top five last year. So it is a bit unusual. And I think I agree with you that you don't really want to see the coach change that often, even if you are doing reasonably well. But I think hopefully he's going to be a, a new interesting character in the league. And yeah, it seems like everything is set up both on the field and off the field for, for Reds to really challenge this year. Uh, I, I do hope so. Yeah, I, th I think um, he kind of fits into the, the um, I guess, the, the general idea of, of, of the club over the last several years. Um, in terms of what kind of football is, is going to be played. I mean, maybe in, in the first year from, from Ricardo Rodriguez and, and then to some extent also in, in, in Scotia's uh, first year, um, a bit more of the concentration was on, on, on getting the, the uh, defense um, right. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe now it, it's more moving actually towards um, the offense and um, starting to play actually also a little bit more attractively i guess all right then guys so let me just ask before we move on have, have either of you gone for uh, ekinit panya as your one to watch no um no me neither i think no okay so before we get to our ones to watch i'll ask kevin's final question then it is on uh, ekinit after missing the asian cup what are the expectations for him in 2024? Was it actually beneficial for him to miss uh, gaining more international experience and having a full pre-season with the squad? I mean, Ralph, we've mentioned some of the uh, the attacking names that have come in, uh, let alone the ones that are still there uh, from the uh, the Scorsia regime. So, I mean, part of me fears for uh, for him getting squeezed out, especially with no uh, Levain Cup group stage this year to... Um, uh, to inverted commas, play your, your your squad players. So I'm not sure how many opportunities he's actually going to get uh, to start league games. But, um, yeah, I mean, he certainly proved himself that he was uh, capable of playing at this level um, during his appearances in 2023. So, um, yeah, I'm sure he's given himself a good opportunity to kick on by uh, by skipping the Asian Cup and going to the camp. Yeah, I'm, I'm not completely sure if, if I would agree with this decision to, to go for the camp, but I can also see why he did did, did this in the end. Um, I mean, um, I assume that he wants to actually succeed at, um, at such a big club, at least in Asia. And um, for that, when, with a new coach coming in, um, and uh, of course, a lot of competition in, in his position, uh, being there for the whole um, uh, preseason um, kind of makes sense, I guess. But you're right; it's it's going to be pretty tough for him to to actually get a lot of playing time. Um, as I mentioned, I, I think many of of the players will get some playing time. Um, I'm not completely sure how much rotation we will see with with Hukmo. Uh, um, it looks like from the test matches that um, he already has kind of his, his best uh, team um, found out, essentially. Um, so we'll have to see how, how that changes. Um, but I, I sure hope that um, he will actually have some playing time and, and can succeed. Where do you think he'll actually end up playing? Like, do you think he'll be in one of the, the middle three or can he play on the right wing or left wing? Any idea? 
I think um, so far I would expect him to to be um, probably predominantly in the the right half or maybe sometimes left half positions. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, those are of course the ones where you have really the the most people. I think um, the moment there, I think Koizumi on the left and and Ito on the right are probably the the number one choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, with then actually uh, Nakajima Yasui. Um, coming after that maybe but mm-hmm. then already I think uh, Panya maybe Watanabe and um, the the younger players like Hayakawa and uh, Horiyuchi uh, could actually um, uh, also play there so I think in that sense you have quite a few players but um, I think it's it's quite quite likely that um, he will be on on the bench um, quite a few times and then then actually at least uh, get several minutes um, even early on. All right, then. So, uh, Ralph, who's your one to watch? I'm not sure how uh, deeply you've delved into Reds' new arrivals or not, or uh, youngsters coming through the ranks, or maybe, yeah, just uh, one of the uh, one of the off-season arrivals or uh, just a player you're looking forward to watching in, in 2024. Yeah, I've, I've been contemplating this this question for, for quite a while now, and um, I'm still not completely sure um, whom to select, um, to be honest. I mean... Um, I think last year we, we were talking uh, about I think um, Ugiwara, Okubo, and um, and uh, Yasui, and um, of course Ugiwara and Yasui actually did did very well I think. Um, so so Yasui I think is still uh, one player where I think he he could actually um, be um, quite important um, later on in the season. Yeah, but uh, I'm I'm kind of thinking of leaning um, towards maybe Ito or Koizumi at this point, since those will be probably our first uh, starting um, um, left and and um, right in a half. Um, I'm very curious to see if if they can actually um, improve on on what they already showed and and um, then actually be be really. Um, quite impressive, I think. Yeah, all right. Um, so I tell you what, Johnny. In uh, episode two A, uh, I went to last when we uh, when we spoke to Tom about Sapporo. So uh, if you don't mind, I'll jump in ahead of you with my, uh, my ones to watch. And I mean, um, yeah, sorry, Ralph. I, if I was uh, sounding a bit harsh and saying you only had to pick one, because I've actually gone for two. And um, yeah, I could have stretched to a couple more as well uh, myself. Actually, I'm in quite an uncomfortable situation as an FC Tokyo supporter, having um, Atsuki Ito as one of my favourite players and another one. Yusuke Matsuo, of course, coming back to the club uh, alongside a couple of ex-FC Tokyo players in uh, Ryoma Watanabe and Shoya Nakajima. So, um, yeah, I'm a bit uh, bit conflicted at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I ended up going uh, splitting my vote and going for Nakajima and Matsuo. So, uh, yeah, Nakajima obviously coming in at the in the second half of last season and um, not really showing his true self, I don't think. And that's understandable that it took him a while to... Uh, to, to get settled into the club and to get up to speed. So, yeah, with a full preseason under his belt, um, the sky's the limit for him. We know how uh, how gifted he is. And, yeah, Matsuo, who obviously uh, just tore the league apart there with the Yokohama FC uh, before getting his dream move to Reds, then heading over to, to Belgium and now coming back. It'll be uh, fascinating to see how he's developed uh, in his uh, time over there because, um, yeah, an absolutely tremendous player. And if he's even better than when he went away, then, uh, yeah, I think the rest of the league better look out. Uh, so, uh, Johnny, you're lucky last. Who are you uh, plumping for? 
luckily I went completely left field and I've actually gone for someone we haven't mentioned at all in this this kind of section and it's a, another player who's come back from from a loan spell this time at Mito Hollyhock uh, Hidetoshi Takeda who I, I've always I've always liked he's always shown a bit bit of potential at Reds and then he's gone out in a few loan spells into J2 and last year at Mito they played him in in the middle and it, he whether he gets action right at the start of the season or how much action he gets at all this season, I think he seems made for one of these inside half positions. I mean, I'm looking at the the, the squad depth chart I've got for the, the patrons, and there's a lot of depth. And like Ralph's laid out all the players they've got available, but you know, people like Nakajima and Abe uh, quite you know injury prone, so it looks very deep now. There's always a chance Takeda gets in 10, 15 games into the season, and he was one of the players that really caught my eye across the last couple of seasons and. In uh, in J two, so he, he's not down. I don't imagine him starting in, in round one, but I think you know that Hugmo might kind of see him in training and, and give him a shot at some point. And uh, am I being ridiculous with this, Ralph? Or did, how do you feel about Takeda? Um, th- that's actually an excellent choice, and I, I also liked him actually quite a lot at, at Hollyhock. Even though um, there he actually played in the number six position most of the time, I think. Um, which I think would be also a possibility for him, either that or actually um, in the number eight position. Um, but yeah, I, I also liked him a lot, and um, I, I really hope that he can actually succeed this year. It, it's kind of um, really a make-or-break season, season for him, I believe. Um, if he can um, succeed, then um, yeah, he can he can go on and then really be very su- successful. Um, he probably also then will end up with the Olympic team um, he's mm. still young enough for, for that so yeah that's an excellent choice I think thank you very much well done Johnny get the tick of approval from Ralph there alright so uh, the, the prospects for Reds in 2024 then as we wrap up uh, Johnny I'll come to you first we'll let Ralph have the final word on his club uh, a leap of five places uh, in 2023, um, they uh, they have a, a big squad. They have the names. Uh, I think there's you know some question marks still. But um, what are your overall expectations and um, how highly do you think they can finish? Yeah, kind of as a, as I teased last week, I've got I've got Urawa, Sanfrecce, and Fisel as as the kind of top three, the three teams most likely to to win the league. So, uh, and again, as we, we kind of we briefly touched on earlier that. Vissel and, and Sam Fredchi have kept the same coach and from, from the start, most of their starting 11 will be players that were there last season. Reds, obviously, there's a few pieces of the puzzle to come together. The, the like Santana, I saw back in Gustafsson, they all seem like good signings before the season start. How does it all How does it all work out? How does the coach settle in? If that all settles in well, the options up front are mouth-watering. They've still basically got you know 80% of the, the best defence in the country um, last year, so yeah, absolutely as strong a title contender uh, as any. Um, what say you, Ralph? Yeah, I would also think that um, these three teams are my most likely contenders for for the title. Um, if if we can really make it, I do hope so. Um, of course, we have this year a very light schedule with um, I think maximally only 45 games with mm-hmm. only the Levant Cup and the league. So. Um, it's kind of obvious that, that we will actually concentrate on the league this year. All right. So will it be a second league title for the uh, the biggest supported club in Japan? We'll uh, wait and see. Yeah, question marks about the uh, the size of the squad and whether the new coach 
can uh, can settle his new signings in and keep everybody happy and harmonious. But um, yeah, I mean, on paper it looks uh, it looks pretty frightening, and um, yeah, it's uh, we we wait and see. Uh, Red's bound to be a popular pick in uh, in Jpreds, I think, uh, all over Twitter. So we'll uh, we'll wait and see. And uh, I don't know if you believe in the jinx or not, Ralph. So you 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 might not want to go out on a limb and and predict that your side will win the league. I don't know if you're that sort of supporter or not. Uh, but uh, yeah, I can't imagine you would have been um, too more excited in in recent years than you are this year with the with the way things are shaping up. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely um, optimistic, but um, also I'm a Nuremberg supporter as well from from where I come come from, and um, um, I know how many things can go wrong every year. So um, in that sense, I'm I'm always a little bit cautious about that. Um, probably my my J Pratch will have Urava um, uh, first, but um, that's just um, what I do for the last few years, and. Um, uh, of course, it never came true, but um, maybe this year it will be different. So we'll ho- I hope uh, that it changes, but um, I'm not entirely sure yet. All right, then. So from an FC Tokyo and a Gumba supporter, it's uh, it's hard for us to wish you good luck, and we're doing it through uh, gritted teeth. But yeah, we hope we hope you have a uh, another terrific season supporting Reds, and uh, we you. look we thank you, and we uh, we look forward to catching up with you throughout the year, Ralph. That sounds great. I'm, I'm looking forward to that again. All right, thank you very much once again to Ralph Seidel. Uh, That's it for our preview of Urawa Reds. After a quick hit of music, Johnny and I will be chatting about Kashiwa Reysol. Thanks again to Ralph, and uh, let's move on and chat about uh, Kashiwa Reysol, Johnny. Uh, Firstly, reviewing their 2023 season, and, well, this will be very painful listening for any Reysol supporters tuning in. They uh, plummeted 10 spots down the table last year from 7th all the way down to 17th. It was an absolute nightmare from uh, start to finish, pretty much, and they were extremely lucky that only one club was relegated as the top flight expands from 18 teams to 20 this year they actually drew against both of our clubs in the first two rounds johnny uh, i know you have an excellent memory so you probably do recall that but uh, i didn't until i uh, checked their uh, their 2023 results today so i guess at that time we had no idea uh, of the implosion that was to come there was only two wins in the first half of the season um during that time nelsinho got the sack after match day 13 and they were 16th or 17th the entire second half of the year Uh, they had six wins in total that was the fewest in j1 and their 15 draws were the most in the league in fact they had the exact opposite record of seventh placed fukuoka who won 15 games and drew six Uh, i guess the only silver lining in the uh, in the season was the run to the Emperor's Cup final where they ultimately lost well again in heartbreaking fashion uh, 8-7 on penalties to Kawasaki after a nil-nil draw and the uh, I guess the proper emergence of uh, Mao Hosoya who scored 14 times uh, in the league uh, um, Racer with the second lowest scorers in the division only netting 33 times so uh, yeah without Osoya's contribution goodness knows where they would have finished up they had the uh, the joint fourth worst 
goals against with the 47 conceded uh, last year. So, yeah, all things told, um, well, we've said numerous times that Kobe's 2022 was an Anna Cerebralis, Johnny. Uh, that uh, mantra definitely applies to, uh, to, to race all last year. Yeah, it just it didn't seem to, to get going. I, I remember, like you say, I do remember the, the first game of the season away to, to Kashiwa, and it was a 2-2 draw, and I think it scored a 96-minute penalty. And lots of Gamba fans said then, well, yeah, it's disappointing, but yeah, Kashiwa will be a good team this year, so it's not too bad. But then the longer things went on, it's like, ah, we've dropped two points there, and it mm-hmm. might come back to, to bite us. But yeah, whenever you watch Kashiwa play, they, they never looked bad. They were never... Never saw them against a team and they looked completely out of their depth. It was just, you know, it only seemed to be goals and assists were coming from from Hosoya and Savio, and there wasn't really many many contributions from the others. And then they had that disastrous start of the season with with uh, with Tadsta and with Sasaki in goal. But kind of as the season pr- progressed, I thought they got Matsumoto came in in goal, Inukai in on loan. They brought Yamada back from from loan when with Ihara came in, and they did really kind of steady the ship. And they matched a lot of teams, but they just couldn't get it done. I think I remember the, the game against Kawasaki when the, Kawasaki had a player sent off and then they missed a chance from two yards out to make it 2-0 and get pinned back. Then they missed a ton of chances against Cerezo and got pinned back in the 96 minutes. So yeah, just anything that could go wrong, that did go wrong. And you know, I, I guess that the hope would be for, for the Kashiwa fans because not, not a whole lot has changed in terms of playing staff in the, in the off-season, but you would hope that you know, all, all the breaks went against us last year. So maybe those 50-50s start to, to roll in their favour this year and they do start to climb up the table because there's, there's plenty of talent. There's, there's a big big squad there. There's a, a lot of good good players there that, you know, that should be nowhere near 17th last season. So, you know, hopefully for them and their, their supporters, you know, with um, Ihara in charge over, over pre-season, there's, there's a bit more stability about the club this, this year and can maybe kick on a little bit. Yes, indeed. So, um, yeah, we'll move on to their uh, business in the transfer market. But yeah, they've uh, they've been fairly uh, quiet. You were very positive last week in our Gumba section, uh, talking about the the midfielder Kota Yamada who has joined from Racehall. So they would have been disappointed to lose him. While a, a pair of Kias, Shihashi and Sento, have departed. Uh, Kia Shihashi going to Nagoya and uh, Kia Sento to Machida, but, um, well, yeah, perhaps their best bits of business in the off-season, uh, Johnny, was just simply hanging on to uh, to Mateo Savio and Mal Hosoya. I'm sure the uh, the Vultures will have been circling um, over the Hitachi Dai Stadium and trying to pick the bones out of this, uh, this racehole squad who, as we said, underperformed so poorly last year. But, yeah, without those two... Um, well, I don't think there's any argument really that they would have been relegated, even though only one went down last year. I said Hosoya scored 14 of their 33, and Savio got seven to boot. And actually, they had two own goals last year, Raisel. So their 21 is well more than two thirds of the entire goals actually scored by Raisel players last year. So yeah, I guess simply hanging on to them was um, about as good as they could have done. Yeah, I think I think I saw a quote from from someone at, at Race. I think that the coach said that there had been offers for for Hosoya and also Tayo Koga, and I, I think it seems like a bit of an open secret at this point that Hosoya will probably go to Europe, but after the Olympics, because you know the, there's the the qualifiers in in um, in uh, April and May, and then hopefully if Japan do get through, then they're going to the Olympics. But 
yeah, such a he's really kicked on in the last two years, and he's is a worthy part of the the Japan squad. His his pace, his movement, his finishing. He is a, he's an excellent striker, and uh, I'm sure Kashiwa Race all fans, as negative as it might seem, I think they're kind of resigned to him going in in the near future. Uh, Savio again, I think it, when he first joined them, he, he had a few injuries, but now that he's up and running, he's 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 a bit mercurial at times, but. He is such a, a vital player, all, all action up and down the field, and he was involved in so much good that they did last season. So uh, absolutely keeping keeping Koga, uh, Hosoya, and, and Savio uh, on their books. And I would also add, as, as you mentioned with um, with Ralph, that Inukai turned his, his loan move into a permanent transfer, and I think that that is a really really important um, really important signing. Him and him and Koga were really good at the back together. So yeah, I think think that that's all good news. Um, with some of the other players coming in, I know um, Eiji Shirai. He, he might not be named too familiar with um, too familiar to to fans of J1, but he's had a long, a very long career in in J2. Most recently with Tokushima, but he is a, a former Kashiwa you know, under 15 and under 18 player. So you'll be hoping to kind of follow like Kenny Wall maybe in terms of someone a, a kind of talented midfielder who. With a very long career, mostly in, in J2, and then in the autumn of his career, made made a home in, in J1. So, potential for that to go go quite well. Outside of that, you know, I think um, I think we've got a question actually about like um, about what Kashiwa are going to do without Hosoya if he's if he's away at the Olympics. And they do. I've got them as, as playing a 4-4-2 like they did last season. But the squad is it, the players are there to go for a kind of 3-4-2-1, which again they might do when when Hosoya is. Um, when he's away, um, so they brought in I think Hiroki Noda, who who started his senior career with with Gamba, never really impressed me to be honest, but he's carved out a pretty decent um, decent career for himself at the top end of J2 with, with Yamagata, and quite interestingly, there's a Hiroki Sekine, he's coming from Takshoku University, um, he he's played a bit for the Japan at age level, um, done quite well, but he actually finished he only the three year course at university, so he's essentially joined a, a year early. So that I mean that means if they have one injury that they're not necessarily relying on, on Mr. Tadstad at the back. There's a, a couple of other other options, and I mean out with that because he had has been at um he's been at Kashiwa a long time as, as assistant coach, but uh, other side of of a spell at uh, Vispa Fukuoka. So he he knows the he knows the club inside out. Kashiwa produced an awful lot of, of young players. So I'm looking to see you know it, recently that they've they've really flopped and signing players from overseas and also spring in university players but not really finding a home for them so hopefully you know there's a couple of university players Sekine and um, I think there's uh, Kumasaka and there's another player Kumasawa who came in last year and didn't really play if you can get minutes out of them and also some of the young players like Unoki is a, another player that's um, come up back up to J1 from a loan spell at Mito Hollyhock he, he got promoted to the first team at the same time as Malho Soya. If they could sort of reform the youth team hotline, that, that would be really good. And, you know, a few players like uh, Mohamedo and Yamamoto, uh, Aoi came up last season. And you've got Masakake's back from Lona Ehime. Maie didn't play a lot last season, but played the year before. There was an awful lot of young talent that maybe hasn't done much at the top level, but... Ihara might be the person to just kind of spot it and bring it into the team, like he did to an extent with uh, Yuto Yamada, who brought back last season. So, yeah, if you just look down at players who have arrived and players who have left, there's not there's not a whole lot to talk about. But I think behind the scenes, how he gets the most out of some of the players already in the squad but not being utilised, 
I think that's the key to to Kashiro really kind of kicking on this year. Mm, yeah, tremendous stuff there. So uh, yeah, as you say, Ihara does know this uh, club, this is squad inside out. So uh, yeah, they've uh, they the front office have put their faith in uh, in him, despite um, well, yeah, not being able to turn things around after uh, succeeding Nelsinho uh, with uh, yeah twenty games to go in uh, in the previous campaign. Uh, yeah, so you mentioned we had a, a question about uh, the possibility of Hosoya leaving uh, Johnny, and it was uh, from Sam, and, well, alongside uh, a, a question from Tokyo Fox. So um, both asking about the uh, the, the possibility of, uh, of of a relegation dogfight or Raysol avoiding relegation uh, this season. So Sam asks, was last season just a case of a squad underachieving, or is a dogfight likely to be in their future this season, especially if Hosoya leaves? And from Tokyo Fox, of course, the internet's uh, most famous Raysol supporter, uh, what chance, if any, do you give of Raysol avoiding relegation this season? So, uh, yeah, I guess Tokyo Fox is, uh, well, extremely worried about his club, and uh, and rightfully so. So, um, climbing back up the table uh, does look a, uh, a a tall order, but, um, yeah, what sort of a chance do you give them? I'm some of the questions quite negative, and I guess I can, can kind of understand that. I, I know I think you mentioned Kota Yamada. I saw a couple of Racel fans were quite disappointed because I mean Gamba only finished a place above Racel last year in the, in the league. So to see a, someone who's a regular team just jump up one place doesn't doesn't really say an awful lot for the mood around the place. But you know I I. I you know, spoiler alert! I think at the end of this pod, the end of this week's pod, we'll have to be we'll be halfway through the teams we've we've um, previewed. The teams I think most likely to go down are all still to come in the, the remaining two weeks. And, and no, I'm not suggesting FC Tokyo are going to go down. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, so I I think because Kashiwa, a lot of their stats were much better than what was actually put put up last year. So I think they're not as bad as they looked last season. I I would worry if. Hosoya left, but in a similar vein to them bringing in Inukai from an overstocked Urawa defence last year, like we said with Ralph, there's, there's a million options up front for Urawa, so I could kind of see one of them coming to, to Kashiwa and it actually being all right, especially as they go the, the 3-4-2-1, and it's just one striker and you can have Savio and Yamada, or he has, he has all these options, like you know, when I was doing my, my depth chart for the, the patrons, I was trying to, there's a lot of players who either can play on the wing or as a number 10, so I'm not sure how he's going to use, like, Shimamura stepped up from, uh, from um, Kumamoto, you've got Inoki, you've got Yamada, you've got Yamamoto, Savio, all these guys can kind of play on, on a wing or just behind a main striker, so, again, how they fit them all into to one team and, and who might establish themselves that's not, not yet known. I, I think there are reasons for hope for, for me, I think there's a lot of young talent there, uh, they brought in Kinoshita from um, from Kyoto, who, who again was at Reds and didn't do very well. I'm not sure how good he'll do. Throat was a bit big disappointment last year, but again he's he's still there. There are enough options that you know, what one or two of these might click, and I think they'll be okay. And I, the defense now, you know, with, with um, you know Diego's back from injury, Koga, Inukai, Katayama, Matsumoto. And then the Takamine is still there. It's, it's a solid enough defence. It'll be hard to beat. They'll keep themselves in games. And you know, if Hosoya is there for half the season and then they fill in a hole in the second half of the season with, a, let's say, a, 
a Brian Linson or a Naoki Maeda doesn't work out at Urawa, I, I think you know, Hosoya will leave, but someone will, to some extent, fill in that hole. I, I don't see them being in the, the, the relegation spots, but yeah, what, what, what about what about you, Ben? Are you, are you as negative as, as Sam in Tokyo Fox? Or do you see a bit of light? I think that, yeah, they'll have to be, uh, they'll definitely have to be careful, but they're likely to be in in the middle of uh, of how far they, uh, they they fell down the table last year, I guess. So for, they fell from 7th to 17th. I, I would guess maybe around 12th to 13th is, is probably where they'll end up. Um, but uh, again, it's the J-League. Uh, who who on earth knows? I don't think they're good enough to to, to climb all the way back up to 7th. But, you know, who, who's to know? I mean, they were promoted as J2 champions and then they went on to win J1 the very next season uh, back at the start of the last decade. So, um, yeah, for, for me, they're, they're mid-table uh, or um, uh, slightly lower than that. But, yeah, I, I don't think that... Uh, relegation is uh, is likely to haunt them uh, as much as it did in 2023 although um, we were saying that all of last season weren't we that they were going to pull themselves out and that they simply uh, never did so yeah did you have a, a ballpark figure in the table that you wanted to to throw out before we move on to Niigata or, or are we uh, we okay to move on from race hole? um well yeah, I also was going to make a joke about the, the seventh place every second year, so they might they might get up to seventh. Is is their year for um is their year for the the, the random overachieving seventh place finish that no one expects? But yeah, I, I'm kind of in the, the the same same as you. I think they'll they'll move up the table a bit, but not not massively. Again, a bit like I think we said last week, Gamba and Kyoto, to top half of the bottom half. I, I don't know if I've maybe chosen too many teams to be in there. There's only like four or five that can go, but yeah, yeah. I've kind of kind of got them in in there. Yeah, so sorry, we, have done, we haven't done ones to watch. No, no, sorry, that's dreadful hosting for me. But yeah, we were going to move on before we we did our ones to watch. So uh, who's yours? Um, yeah, well, I, I've gone for uh, I've taken Hosoya and Savio out, out of the equation. Is I, I think you know p- people aren't just listening for us to say the most obvious thing, so I, I might, I'm going to delve down and I'm going to choose a, another like uh, Kashiwa youth graduate, uh, Yuto Yamada. I've, I've kind of touched on him a couple of times in this um, this little section, and you know I, I saw him playing. I remember playing a Levan Cup game. It was actually the final final game I saw before COVID hit. So the Van Cup game, uh, Gamba at home to, to Kashua Reso, and he played the first 45 minutes. I assume he was the under he was the under 21 player. That's why they took him off at half time because he, he looked very good and he was in the centre of midfield. But then you know, he's never really get, got a chance after that. And then he's gone on loan to, to Tochigi. He's done done very well in a team that wasn't that good going forward. He's managed to stand out and he's come back. He, he played on the mostly in the right wing, what one game in the, the left wing, but he can also play in the centre somewhere. So it's Interesting to see where, where he beds down. He's another player Ihara knows very well. It was Ihara who brought him back, so I'm sure he'll get the, the best out of him. And you know, the second half of last season, two two goals and in, in two assists. Maybe he can chip in with um, yeah something more tangible in the, the way of goals and assists. It's not just Hosoya and Savio doing it all. So yeah, um, Yuto Yamada is my my one to watch. What about yourself, Ben? 
Well, yeah, I've uh, I've gone for uh, Hugo Tatsuta, Johnny. Uh, no, sorry, I'm only joking. Um, no, uh, mine is uh, well somebody who will be very glad that uh, Tom, uh, Tomoya Inokai has signed on a permanent deal uh, from Urawa to to partner Toyokoga at the back for Racehole, and that's the goalkeeper Kenta Matsumoto, 26 years old, so um, uh, approaching um, experienced player status. But I think in his uh, in his second full season in uh, in between the sticks for Racehole. He has the opportunity, especially the way uh, Japan's goalkeeping goal situation has gone, to possibly work his way into the, the national team picture. Uh, for me, he would still be behind the likes of uh, Ryosuke Kojima from uh, from Niigata, who we're going to talk about uh, next, of course. But, um, yeah, uh, an impressive... Oh, I was going to say young, but yeah, 26. He isn't really still slightly inexperienced as a as a first team goalkeeper. But uh, for me, yeah, a, a an impressive shot stopper was certainly overworked last year, and he will hope uh, to be not quite as busy this year, of course. But uh, yeah, to uh, um, to to be the rock at the back for for Raysol and keeping uh, keeping goals out. So. We'll, uh, we'll wait and see on uh, both of our ones to watch and indeed how Racer go about improving on their 2023 season. And uh, next we'll move on to Albert X Niigata, the final team that we'll talk about uh, in this episode. And uh, well, for, for many, one of the feel good stories of the 2023 season, of course, uh, Albert X. They finished uh, 10th in their first season back in the top flight after being promoted as a J2 champions, having spent five seasons down in J2. Of course, they were previously a staple in J1. They'd spent 14 straight seasons in the top flight after their first promotion at the end of the 2003 second tier season. Uh, Last year, they made a flying start. They were third after match day four, including wins over presumed title contenders Hiroshima and Kawasaki. But then... They slumped and won just two of their next 14 and uh, plummeted to 15th in the table. Uh, They then finished with a wet sail, unbeaten in their last nine as they rose from 15th to 10th. Uh, Only the bottom two scored fewer than their 36 league goals, but they had the joint 7th best defence, which, well, yeah, that's trying to be positive, but it's pretty middling, I suppose, uh, letting in 40. Uh, of those left at the club, uh, Shusuke Ota with five in uh, 19 appearances in an injury hit season, and uh, Koji Suzuki four were their uh, leading scorers, but of course a, a certain Ryotaro Ito and uh, Shunsuke Mito uh, also were amongst the goals for uh, Albert X. In 2023, they were knocked out of the, in the group stage of the Levain Cup, but they made the quarterfinals in the Emperor's Cup where they lost on penalties to eventual winners Kawasaki. And sorry, Johnny, I've gone on a bit here, but I did want to mention uh, this uh, little other nugget about Niigata. Of course, not a big club in terms of name or achievements, but they're definitely one of the best supported teams in Japan. In fact, uh, and you could probably win a bar bet with uh, this fact, Johnny, uh, they're one of only two clubs, uh, Arawa, the other, of course, to average over 40,000 fans per game 
in a season. That was uh, all the way back in 2005. And that was during an eight-year run in which their average attendance was over 30,000. Last year, it was uh, just over 21,000 back in the top flight, of course. So uh, always an extremely well-run and well-supported club, Johnny, and it was great to have them back in the top flight. Uh, It was kind of a, a season split into thirds, but um, they definitely proved that they belong back up at this level. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was fantastic to, to see them back in, in the, the top flight, like you say. I think they came up with Yokohama FC. Expectations weren't particularly that they would do much better than Yokohama FC, but uh, in the end, they, they did. And, yeah, I think the, it's been mentioned that we talked about a bit at the end of last season, they were on that great run. The the, the squad is not filled with, not filled with superstars, but, you know, the, the, the coach, Matsuhashi, it was only his second year as a, as a head coach, but he managed to to rotate the squad quite well. It's it's not usually the done thing to to change in and out your your centre backs or your your full backs or your holding midfielders, but he seemed to to get that done to a T. And all the players used, obviously some stood out like like Mito and Ito in in attack, but I think all, all the players used it really really did did their job. Perhaps in the, there's not there's not stars there, so it's not a case of like a club like um, like Kashima or Urawa where you could expect someone to come in and play basically every game at a high level. They have to kind of chop and change a bit because you can maybe get ten or fifteen high quality games out of certain players. But yeah, Matsuhashi he was a he was a candidate for us for for coach of the year and they had that great run at the, at the end of the season. Um, so it, it does maybe kind of. Disguise. There were some tough times in that that first part of the season, and it's after after Ito left, there was questions about where where the goals would come for before before Mito really stepped up. But yeah, all in all, I think for, for Niigata and also for for the league as a whole to have them back in J one, I think it was yeah ninety nine percent positive from last year. Yeah, most definitely. So uh, talking about their transfers out, and uh, yeah, I mean some very painful departures. For the, uh, the the Niigata faithful, no question about that. I mean, Shunsuke Mito, who was the heir apparent to Ryotaro Ito, who was the heir apparent to Shion Honma. Well, uh, yeah, unfortunately for Niigata supporters, they're all gone now. Mito, the latest to leave at the end of the 2023 season, uh, heading to uh, Sparta, Rotterdam. Uh, Takehiro Ko, the central midfielder, has uh, departed to, uh, to FC Tokyo, which we knew about uh, before we finished up our podcast in uh, 2023, of course. So as a Tokyo supporter myself, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what uh, Cole can produce for the gas men. And also uh, left-back Taiki Watanabe has uh, joined Yokohama F. Marinos. Was there uh, anything you wanted to add on, on those three moves in particular, Johnny, or uh, any of the other moves uh, that have uh, – uh, or players, rather, who have left uh, Niigata in this offseason? Um, I wanted to maybe t- talk a bit about Taiki Watanabe because if if you remember uh, a year ago with with Sam, we kind of pointed out maybe the the centre back role was or centre back was a, an area of weakness at, at Niigata because they had Michael James Fitzgerald and um, Chiba were there, obviously veteran players. They're still there this season, a, a year older, and also the Thomas Deng who who is very very injury prone. Um, but obviously Deng, Deng stepped up, but apart from I think he, he had a very, very rocky patch in, in mid-season when I was doing the solo pods. I remember him having a couple of clangers, but towards the back end of the season, him and Watanabe formed a really good partnership. And Watanabe was, was interesting because he was a, a left back who didn't really get a game. He'd come off quite a bad injury, I think, at the, the back end of his time at Zwigin Kanazawa on loan. And I think that was a real kind of bolt for the blue. It's something we're kind of trying to see in these previews where... 
where are these boats from the blue going to come from? Because that was something that none of us had even considered that Watanabe would be would be moved into the centre and become a, a really good like ball playing centre back. So you know, and he did so well. He's been been poached away by by Yokohama F Marinos that that was the impact he had. So yeah, I, I'm a bit. Well, we'll maybe go into the squad as a whole a bit later, but I think that is quite a key loss for them. As 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 great a player as Mito is, and and he's been talked about and loved in, in J2 and J1. I'm a bit. I'm actually a bit more positive about the the forward the group of forwards they have, rather than I, I think Watanabe, and maybe to a lesser extent Cole. I'm I'm not so sure that they're going to be able to quickly replace them. They've mm. got some younger players or players they can maybe kind of move around, but I think yeah, losing Watanabe and and also I think Cole out of that group of midfielders, like um, I think Akiyama, I've heard people people rate him. He's still to convince me. And you've got Shimada Hoshi in there. I'm not none of these players convince me. He's been absolutely bona fide like good J1 players. I think they're kind of in that grey area between a J, where J1 meets J2. I think Cole is is a bona fide J, J1 player. And he's gone to FC Tokyo, and, and Watanabe was one of the finds of the season, one of the surprises in that second half of the season. So, yeah, Mito, a big loss to to Niigata, if an unsurprising one, and a loss to the league. But I think Watanabe and Ko, I'm not sure that they can really be readily replaced. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. And um, yeah, I mean, I've got questions, um, yeah, about their overall squad depth. So yeah, losing the the likes of uh, Ko and Watanabe certainly. Um, yeah, two first-team players will uh, will definitely have uh, an impact. As far as uh, notable transfers in, Johnny, well, for me, it's fairly slim pickings. And, I mean, Yuji Ono is um, a, a notable name in, in J-League circles, but uh, I guess it's debatable how much he's got left in the tank. Uh, he arrives from Tosu, um, a sideways move in many respects, but um, yeah, you can't fault him for, for wanting to move on and, and try a new challenge. So it'll be interesting to see how he uh, gels with his new teammates. And uh, the, the the attacking midfielder, Motoki Hasegawa, comes in from uh, J2 Kofu in the middle of their run to the ACL title. So it's a huge move in uh, Hasegawa's career to to leave the uh, presumptive ACL champions and uh, and head to the team uh, that finished 10th in J1 in uh, 2023. But, uh, yeah, we'll wait and see if that move pans out for him. Um, again, on those two plays, Johnny, or anybody else uh, maybe on the fringes who I'm, uh, I'm neglecting to, to give enough credit to? Um, one thing I'd point out about Yuji uh, Ono, it seems a surprising move at, at first glance, but it actually turns out because he was at Yokohama F Marinos as a, as a youth player and Rikuzo Matahashi was his coach when he was at Marinos Youth. So I think that's where the connection comes from and that's mm-hmm. why he's he's moved to Niigata. And yeah, I, I really liked Ono at Gamba. He just couldn't stay fit. He actually had a bad knee injury. But I think his nine goals for Tosu last season, I, yeah, I think, you know, he could join the, the league champions this year, and I'm not sure he'd get nine goals playing every week. Um, but yeah, he, he is a useful player, and he can, can fill in in a number of roles, and I'm sure he'll be good off, off the field. He's a, he's a good guy, he'd be, be a good player to have around the dressing room. Hasegawa, again, uh, keen listeners will remember that um, I, I switched on my, my DAZN to see him nodding, um, nodding the winner for, for Kofu in their first ever win at home in the, the ACL. So I, I've been a big fan of his ever since he kind of came on to... The scene in J2, he actually played for, for Jose University when they put Gamba out of the Emperor's Cup back in 2019. 
he was a third year student then, and then he, he stepped up in 2021. He's been a key player for for Cove ever since. He may even, you know, he can play on the left wing as well as the, the number ten role. So he may start the season in the left wing and take over from the number ten role from from Takagi as the, the season moves on. But I think that's a that's a very very positive move, uh, Hasegawa. Um, in terms of the other players, I know Eiji Miyamoto is coming from from Iwaki FC. Um, uh, central midfielder can also play at fullback if they have to play him there. I, I see him as kind of going into the rotation with those players I, I mentioned earlier, like Hoshi, Shimada, and Akiyama. Um, I struggle to see him being a direct replacement for Cole, but he has moved up from from JFL to J3 to J2, and now he's in J1 in consecutive seasons. So he's a player on the move. So I'm interested to see how how he goes. And uh, Yo Endo, who's a, a former uh, Urawa youth player, then went to, to Toei Yokohama University. I think he's been at Iwaki for about a year and a half on loan. He's a good good defender, but I think in terms of what like, Watanabe is a, a good ball player, fits in with Matsuhashi wants to do. I think Endo's more what I call a defender's defender. He's not such a good ball player. So I think he'll come in and do a good job defensively when, when called upon. And he's a lot younger than, than Chiba and, and Michael James, but... I think yeah they're still going to lose something from from um, from Watanabe's departure, and then you've got a couple of other other young players, uh, uh, Mori and, and uh, Okamura, have come in from universities. I'm not sure. I think they've played a bit in in preseason, but how, how much game time they actually get, as we've said before, the no Levan Cup uh, group stage uh, remains to be seen. So yeah, it's going to be quite quite a. Yeah, you know, they rotate a bit, but I think it'll be the same kind of 17 or 18 players, and there's there's not really much out with the the kind of match day squad to to call upon. So, yeah, Matsuhashi is a, is a coach on the up after winning the the J2 title and then tenth in J1, but he's going to have to go some, I think, to to top what he did last season. Well, yeah, I was going to move on to ask you about Matsuhashi, Johnny. I mean, yeah, he's done extremely well, obviously, uh, in his first two seasons. He appears to get more than the sum of his parts out of his teams. So, yeah, it'll be um, an especially difficult task, I think, for him to improve on 10th this year, especially considering, uh, you know, losing the likes of Mito, Cole and uh, and Watanabe. But, um, yeah, I guess in in many respects, Niigata couldn't have a, a better coach for a task like this. Yeah, as you said, that, that's the first thing I'd say about Matsuhashi is I think he's, to, to say, he's, he's overachieved in a sense. I, I know, like in J2 Niigata are a big, big club, but you know so, some coaches like Albert Pruj, he, he got nowhere near getting them promoted, and Matsuhashi came in and he managed to to, to get them up. And he, they did, I mean, they, they did kind of flirt around the kind of bottom four or five for quite a long spell before the, the the late good run. But yeah, he was ultimately he was able to to do things like get get Watanabe into. To central midfield, uh, sorry, central defence, and he was able to rotate the players and get everyone to, to clearly buy in and pull in the right direction. So, you know, looking at some of the kind of forwards, or the, that from the front four they've got, you've got people like you brought in Nagakura for, from Gumma in the middle of last season. O- Ota was was injured but, but scored quite well, can play in either flank, can expect more from, from him. And uh, Eitoro Matsuda, he's managed to get another season of him on loan from, from Marinos. He, he was very good in the, the promotion season. Didn't do quite as well last year, so I'd like to see him working with, with Matsuhashi. Um, and also, I think uh, Kaito Taniguchi, who scored a lot of goals in, in J3 and J2, kinda, he's had a few injury problems the back end of their promotion season and also last year, but I think he's someone that they can expect a few more goals from. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of talent 
in in the forward line. I think if Matsuhashi can can get the most out of them, get a couple of those younger players to develop, then yeah, I think think they can have a good season. But yeah, I, I think tenth from where I'm seeing, you know, the players that have left and also Ito going in the middle of last season, it kind of says that you know if someone has a good six months or more at Niigata, they're going to be on their bike sooner rather than later. So. Yeah, I think 10th might be as high as Niigata go for quite a while, but Matsuhashi's definitely a coach on the up, so I'm sure there's a few other clubs that have just keeping him in the radar in case something goes wrong in their own organisation. Mm. Yeah, good point, and well said on, on uh, Matsuhashi, and yeah, good to... Good to know that he can, uh, yeah, use his uh, contacts to get the likes of uh, of Yuji Ono into the club, and uh, yeah, as we said, uh, hopefully he can add something to the Niigata squad. All right, I won't forget the uh, to do the one to watch for uh, for Niigata Johnny, and I'll go first. Uh, mine is twenty one year old Yota Komi, having uh, lost the likes of Honma Ito and now Mito to moves abroad. Uh, I wonder, and I hope that he is uh, their next breakout player. Uh, certainly not as cultured as uh, those three, uh, no question about that, but uh, Cormie has uh, bags of potential uh, yet and a uh, terrific work rate. Uh, runs around like a little pit bull, and, uh, yeah, he quickly became uh, one of my favourites uh, last season, only netting the once in uh, 29 top-flight appearances, including uh, 14 starts in in 2023 but he does know the way to goal he had uh, four uh, four goals in the j2 title winning team the season before so yeah call me's my one to watch and again another one of my uh, another one of my favorites uh, in the top flight so i'm looking for as i said hopefully a breakout season from him and uh, who's your one to watch for uh, for Niigata this year johnny well, actually, if I had gone first, I was going to choose Comey too. And ah, was, nice one. Okay. I, I deliberately not mentioned him up to this point, so um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to, to drop him in. But if I can just give a stamp of a, a sort of league-wide Johnny's leagues ones to watch, I think Comey is someone I'd definitely point out. So I, I fully endorse your, your suggestion. Um, so th- I did prepare a backup. So you might have heard me mention earlier that I wasn't convinced fully by Hiroki Akiyama in central midfield. Well, this year is his chance to, to firmly put, uh, prove me wrong and step into Takahiro Ko's shoes because mm-hmm. if, if he doesn't, I'm not sure. You know, Shimada and Hoshi are at the, the stage of their career that's not really going to happen. And Miyamoto and Okamura are, are young up-and-comers. So I think a lot of responsibility is going to fall on Akiyama's shoulders. I, I believe he's been named a vice-captain th- this year for them. Mm-hmm. He does move the ball about quite nicely, links defence and attack. So... Yeah, I'm looking at the, the, the Niigata squads uh, I've, I've kind of made up. The defence, I'm not convinced by. Goalkeepers, very convincing. Central midfield, yeah. If Akiyama steps up and gets close to where Cole was, yeah, I, I think this, this Niigata team can, can do pretty well. So, yeah, he's right in the middle of the park. So I, I've gone for I've gone for Hiroki Akiyama, someone to keep an eye on. And he'll be a kind of barometer for how, how well or, or poorly Niigata do this season. All right, yeah, terrific shout. He'll be uh, yeah, definitely an interesting one to watch. And maybe for, um, well, yeah, I'm not sure, fa- for fantasy players or so rare players, uh, he might uh, be a player not quite on your radar yet, but looks like he's going to have a, a, a an expanded role and more responsibility on his shoulders this season. So, yeah, Johnny's uh, hit the nail on the head as usual. Definitely one to watch. So, yeah, in wrapping it up then, Johnny, uh, prospects for 2024 for Albert X. A well-run club, uh, good coach. 
coach and terrific goalkeeper lead off my notes. Uh, of course, uh, Ryosuke Kojima is uh, yeah on the fringes of the national team setup, and um, yeah, for me, it's uh, it was a massive surprise that he didn't go uh, to the Asian Cup and that uh, Taishi Brandon Nozawa did. But uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah we can park national team conversation for a while, as you said at the start of the previous episode, Johnny. But um, yeah, uh, you've just flagged it yourself. Serious uh, serious depth questions in in midfield. For me, so that's why Akiyama becomes so important. And where are the goals going to come from? Uh, is a, a combination of uh, Koji Suzuki, uh, Shusuke Ota, and uh, Yuji Ono enough uh, up front? They'll uh, they'll need Hasegawa to to hit the ground running in and around them. And um, yeah, obviously, call me uh, a, a lot falls on his shoulders with those uh, three uh, big name flashy players now out of the picture. So. They'll do well to match 10th, but at the same time, yeah, under Matsuhashi, I wouldn't necessarily put it past them, but um, I'm predicting a, a, a slide of a couple of places, Johnny, but I think they're on their way to re-establish, uh, re-establishing themselves in the top flight. So I wouldn't have any particular relegation worries about them this year. What's your uh, overall summation of them before uh, they kick off the new campaign? Yeah, I've, I've generally been, been quite glass half full, especially about the, their attackers. I think if, if things are as positive as I've just sold it for you know, the players in attack, yeah, maybe a, a drop off of, a, of two or three places. I mean, if, if something goes wrong, if like, you've got Hasegawa to get an injury, Comey goes in the summer, you know, they're not too good to be dragged into a relegation dogfight. I don't think that's the most likely outcome, but I think I'd probably put them in a group of teams that are. I've got maybe four, four or five teams that would be the bottom four or five, and then Niigata are a team that are just in that kind of four or five teams above it who could be dragged down to the bottom four and five if things don't work out as positively as I think they might. Mm-hmm. Defensively, I'm not convinced. You know, Deng's been away at the Asian Cup all, all winter, so they've not been practising with him. How well that that will go, and then yeah, midfield, and if the attack doesn't click, it could be some trouble, but long story short, not as high as 10th probably won't go down. All right, then. So, yeah, uh, uh, again, as with all of these clubs, of course, and I say it uh, each and every time, it's going to be a, a fascinating season for uh, for Niigata this year as they, uh, yeah, look to match or better uh, their 10th place finish from last year. All right, so then we'll uh, leave it there. That's it for Episode 2B of our J1 season previews. Uh, obviously, five more clubs to come next week, Johnny. And, um, well, yeah, things are really starting to ramp up before the uh, the new season begins because uh, in uh, next midweek, we've got uh, ACL round of 16 games, of course, and then uh, the weekend after that is the Super Cup. So, um, yeah, just about time for some football. Yeah, and also you, you didn't mention on Saturday there's the official opening of uh, San Frecce Hiroshima Stadium as San Frecce take on Gamba, the Edion Peace Wing Stadium. So, yeah, I'm going to be, be interested in that. I, I won't be able to get along, but it should be a f- fantastic occasion. And, yeah, I can feel you know, the Asian Cup's behind us. It's, it's still in front of a, a few teams over there in Qatar. But, yeah, we're really getting really getting myself g up and excited. Next week, we've got the, the Maycans coming out. It all kind of step by step, get building up to the the big start on the 23rd of February. So, yeah, we, we had a couple of great guests on the two pods this week, and I look forward to, to talking to some more guests next week. So thanks very much, Ben. Yeah, terrific stuff, Johnny. Thanks again. All right, then. So that's it for this episode 
of the J Talk podcast. Johnny and I would like to thank Ralph very much for his time in chatting about Urawa. We'd like to thank Kevin, Tokyo Fox, and Sam for their questions throughout this episode. And um, I, well, I thanked our newest patron, Marwan, at the end of the previous episode. I'll do it again. Thanks again for coming on board, uh, Marwan. Great to have you with us. Uh, thanks to all of our patrons for their ongoing support on Patreon. If you'd like to get involved, please visit patreon.com slash jtalkpod. Of course, Johnny's depth charts are exclusive to uh, to jtalk patrons, and um, we uh, we thank Johnny very much for those. And uh, listeners, we'd like to thank you for listening wherever you are. We'll be back with the five more clubs to preview in next week's episodes. Speak to you then. Bye for now. The jtalk podcast. Yes, 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 yes.